mindfulness mode. Sometimes we need someone outside ourselves to help show us the way. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, PR is a big part of doing any kind of work online or really any kind of business, almost any kind of business. We need to be able to know how to promote ourselves. We need to know how to to make people aware that we exist. That's a really big part of this. And of course, mindfulness is a big part of that because we have to be mindful about where we exist in this world and how to get our message out there. Very important aspects of what we do. And I'm very honored today because I have Jane Tabachnik with me today. And Jane is going to share so much with us on this topic. Jane, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. I'm so excited to be here, Bruce. So thank you. And I am too. And I absolutely love your blue framed glasses. They make such a great impact. Jane, tell us what mindfulness means to you. Yeah, so for me, it's being aware of ourself, of both our mindset and our physical body and how we are sort of centered or present in it, as well as the people that are in our audience, whether they're physically in front of us or virtually right and so let's talk about PR let's talk about how you came to this point where you wanted to help others learn how to promote themselves was this a struggle that you had with yourself at first or did you did you notice that you were just particularly good at this and then you decided to help others yeah so a couple of questions in there, a couple of answers. So it's still something I struggle with. You know, being visible is something that requires being both mindful and vulnerable. And so for me and for many people, it ebbs and flows. Some days you feel a little bit more like you want to put yourself out there than others. The way that I got started was I actually was a fashion designer. And that was my first career and and still my love. And I loved what I was doing. I thought my designs were great, but I needed people to see them. And I couldn't get anyone to see them. This was a real challenge. This was pre-internet. So I would pick up the phone to call a buyer or a department store, and they didn't know who I was, and they didn't want to take my call. They certainly didn't want to take the time to set up a meeting. And I had no way to send them pictures except, I guess, postal mail. So... After a lot of thought and many phone calls and many rejections, I thought, I just need some press. If I can get some press, if they just see my designs, if they hear about them somehow, then it would make things so much easier. And it took some trial and error. I won't say it just happened immediately, but once it hit, once I got some press, it really was transformational. People then knew who I was when I called the name was familiar and they said, oh yeah, we've been hearing about you. We'd love to see your designs. But I wanna share with people what really, the element that really made me successful had a mindfulness component to it. So rather than just saying, hey, I've got these great designs, I want press, I want you to see them. I had to think about what would make the buyer or 
the audience interested. And I thought about them and realized I needed to tell a story. So no one cared that I had a collection of linen and sportswear. And, you know, those were kind of tactical details you'd put in a product description, not very sexy and no different than anybody else. So I told the story about my life and how one of the fabrics, in this case, an ECAT, which is a woven, it's a weaving technique, a dyeing and weaving technique that kind of looks like a heartbeat. So it's up and down in a sort of jagged fashion. And I happen to love ECATs. So by weaving a story, how that represented my life, it really got the attention of the media and therefore the buyers and the people I was trying to reach. And that was because it was relatable to them. It wasn't so much about me and my story, but it was a story that other people could see themselves in. And that's really the key to being successful with publicity, with getting more visibility is telling a story, but telling a story that others can relate to. And so, Jane, when you start working with a client, how do you pull the stories out of that client so that you can help them promote themselves? So we spend a lot of time speaking about not just what they do and who they serve, but what it is they're looking to achieve, how they help their clients transform and what their their clients or their prospects or audience cares about. And the last part is where does their audience spend time? So are they listening to podcasts? Are they reading magazines? And it's not one size fits all, it's a combination of, but it's really important to know that because to tell a really good story that really resonates, you need to be mindful of who you're speaking to, what matters to them, what's gonna resonate with them. And the easiest way to do that, this is so kind of, it sounds silly almost saying it, but is to ask. And a lot of people don't take advantage of this incredible resource that's in front of them that's also free. And some really great things happen when you speak to your prospects or your customers. (laughs) Yes. Right? Yes, of course. Yeah, that's that's really funny. Uh, so you really focus on story. Does that mean you've studied Joseph Campbell? Does Joseph Campbell's work play a role in this? Yes, absolutely. I love mythology and I, I love Campbell. I can spy a book out of the corner of my eye of his. So it's something that I go back to as a refresher. His frameworks are really key for storytelling, but you don't need to study them to be able to tell stories. You know. I see. What do you need to do? What What is the key to a good storyteller, in your opinion? Yeah, a good storyteller doesn't focus too much on um, technical details. I know sometimes the entrepreneurs I work with want to talk about the platforms they use or some tech tool, and that causes most people to glaze over. I'm kind of geeky, so that would interest me, but <laughs> I, know, I know I'm not. Uh, that's more the exception than the rule. So it's someone who focuses on a transformation, so how someone moves from point A to point B or Z, but also a story includes some of the senses. If it has all five, that's really lush and juicy and delicious, but it doesn't have to. But stories that have complexity and that really draw people in and engage them involve the senses. Right. And so I'd like to know what elements of mindfulness you personally practice every day in your life. Do you meditate? Do you talk? Let's talk about that. 
Yeah, so I meditate, I do some visualizations, and I do a simple yoga every morning. Right. And so uh, what type of client do you resonate with most? Yeah, so the clients that I resonate with most are people that I call change makers. And that doesn't mean that they are on a mission to impact 10 million people or anything. It could be just some goal that they have to make a difference in the world in whatever way they want to do that. So people who are committed to just making the world a better place. Right, right. Well, speaking of making the world a better place, you founded Simply Good Press, which is a book publishing company, a PR company. Tell me how that came about creating an actual publishing company. Yeah, so back to the fashion designer. So as a designer, I loved what I did, but the industry was kind of challenging and I felt kind of burnt out and decided it was time to transition out. And I took stock of what I had done, what I felt I was good at, and that was the PR and the marketing. And I felt that that was something that I could help other people with. So that's what I started doing. And shortly after I started in that, I discovered the internet. Now this sounds corny saying this today, but I discovered the internet and I thought, wow, this is going to be a great communication tool. This is going to be really big. <laughs> and so I was very excited about it, back to the geek in me. And so we started out building websites and helping people get set up with email newsletters. And what I realized, the common thread was they needed visibility. They needed traffic to come to the website. And so we started to focus more on visibility, more on ways to get them PR and get them seen. And the book component came a number of years later. I was actually at a conference. I wasn't thinking about doing books. I had published a book before Amazon actually. It was called Plain Jane's Promotional Planner and it did very well. And it got press, which was kind of exciting. But I was at a conference and I was sitting next to someone. We started talking at the break and we exchanged what we did. And she said, oh, have you ever thought about publishing books? And I said, not really. She said, that would be such a great addition to what you do. And that turned out to be true because books really are the ultimate positioning piece. They can add that instant credibility or what I like to call thud factor. You know, a book has such gravitas. You might go to a networking event if, if you know, post-COVID, we're going to networking events and someone hands you a business card, you may throw it away on the way out. You may throw it into a pile, probably never look at it again. But if someone were to hand you a book or better yet, autograph that book to you on the spot, you're going to keep that book forever. You may not read it, but that book will sit on your desk and you will look at it, you will think of them and you will hold them in much higher esteem than anyone who handed you a business card. And it doesn't- That's absolutely true. Right? And it doesn't mean anyone who handed you a business card is a, a wonderful person, accomplished someone you should work with, but there's just that level of achievement that someone who's written a book has. And it's kind of crazy because it positions them as an instant expert, even if the book is, it could be junk. 
in all honesty, it could not be, they may not be the best expert or really an expert, but they published a book on the topic and no one is going to question their expertise on that topic as a published author on that topic. Yeah, that's true. I, I love your term that you've coined thud factor. I think that's really funny. I'm not sure I coined it, but I'm not sure where it came from, but it's, it is, I think it's, it states it quite well. Yeah, I think so too. So how many how many books have you published through your publishing company? We have published uh, close to 100 books, and we've helped mm -hmm. over 200 authors become best-selling authors. Wow! Wow, that must yeah. be great. Tell me about one of your one of your clients or one of the, your authors that you've worked with that sort of pops into your mind that that uh, kind of resonates with our mindfulness audience. Yeah, so my client Frederica came to me. She had just left a very successful corporate career. But as a non-nine-to-fiver, as a newly minted consultant, she didn't really have a track record and she didn't have uh, much visibility or an online profile, but she had a great mindset. She had a vision and she had confidence. And so... We worked together. She was an author in one of my anthology books, and that book became a bestseller. And because of some of the other work that she was doing, the book became used as a training tool in a course at, or a program at AT&T, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And she was interviewed on a number of podcasts, and she was able to grow her consulting practice and get interviewed on podcasts and really realize her vision. She called me very excitedly last year to say she had signed a very large contract for a year's training and had also been a trainer with a number of large brand name consulting firms had had her on as a trainer. And this really was a testament to her mindfulness, her mindset and her vision and using the right tools to help her progress towards that, I think was really key. Yeah, wow, that's a great story. Tell us about a time in your life when things were not going so well. Tell us about a low time where you had to pull yourself up. Yeah, so I sometimes lose my, um, I, I, you know, I like to think of myself as being fairly self-aware, but I'm not always aware of what's going on. So um, I was struggling with my mom had fallen. My, you know, my parents are elderly. My dad was in a nursing home. My mom had fallen and I was running back and forth and I was trying to run the business. And, you know, I, I was a single parent for years. So I always think I've got this, I can do it. And yeah. I, you know, this crazy superwoman idea. And the truth was that it was really more than I could handle and I wasn't looking for support. So uh, thinking I was doing the best I could, even though I was stressed out, I headed out for a friend's birthday dinner and I can't even tell you how this happened, but I was standing one minute, the next minute I was flat. I, I fell sideways onto my shoulder and I knew as soon as I'd never broken any major bones, but as soon as I fell, I knew that it was broken and I, I felt bad. I ruined my friend's birthday dinner, but it took me a long time to see that I wasn't paying enough attention to my body. I wasn't asking for help. And it 
you know, it, it happened. I kind of feel like it happened for a reason that not paying attention, being mindful and getting the self-care that I needed. I couldn't change the situation of what was happening with my parents, but had I been more mindful and, and, and up to my self-care at that point, I think perhaps I could have avoided this. And it, it was really rough. I mean, it was physically challenging and it was emotionally challenging because now I could do even less to help my parents and my family out. Right. Yeah, that sounds like it must have been a really tough, tough time for you. So speaking of tough times, what are some of the biggest mistakes that some of your clients have made trying to get publicity before they reached out to you? Yeah, so I think some of the uh, the mistakes that people make is not having their ducks in a row or what I like to call being media ready. And it's really very simple. So this is not any big fancy thing, but you need to have a well-written bio, short form and long form. You need to have a professional headshot. And if you have a book or if you have some products, you need to have professional shots and have all of that ready and available before you go out to pitch because the media is going to ask for that. The other thing is you want to have some kind of an online presence where if someone Googles you, it's going to align with what you tell the media you do, who you say you are because they are going to Google you. And mm -hmm. if it's different, if you say to them, hey, I'm an expert wizard marksman, and they Google you and it comes up that you're an HR professional, those two could be happening in the same space, but you would need to say to the media, in my day job, I'm an HR professional, but I happen to be an expert marksman, so that if and when, and they will Google you, they see, yes, there's the HR part. The marksman part hasn't gotten the visibility yet. So you want to make sure there is alignment or if there isn't yet because you're just building it's a new niche you've entered, a new career, and that that's all doable. And, and you know, I, I'm a big fan of transforming or pivoting. Just make sure that you let them know why they're not going to see that online. Because they will right. immediately, if, if you don't explain that and they Google you, they're, they're just going to rule you out because there's a disconnect there. There's an incongruity and they can't put you in the media if their clients could go and see the same results. So that's one thing is just make sure you've got that congruity and try and build up your presence. So when people Google you and it's not just the media, your prospects will Google you, your clients Lots of people will Google you, so make sure you've got that working on. The other thing is making the story really about you and what you want. So I get calls often from people say, I want to be on the cover of insert name of magazine or, you know, I want to be in this publication. And those are great goals. There's nothing wrong with that being your goal, but you need to shift your mindset in this. And it can be a nuanced thing, but this is really important to what story do I have to tell? What value do I have to offer this audience that will make them want to write about me? And that's really what it is. And that's really what you need to include in your pitch. Actually, to spell it out, this is why I think this would bring value to your audience. Here's what they would get out of it. Not that journalists aren't incredibly smart people, but making it easy to connect the dots, letting them know that you've identified with why this is important is a really good way to structure your pitch. And people sometimes leave that out or maybe they're 
working in an area the journalist isn't super familiar with, and they just assume the journalist will understand what they're talking about. So making that statement and connecting the dots leaves no room for doubt. This is exactly what I'm thinking, and this is why there's value for your audience. And it either will resonate with them or it won't. Or they'll say, tell me more. This is interesting. Right. Yes. Jane, if one of our Mindful Tribe listeners is listening to this thinking, I would really, really love to write a book so that could help my, you know, my promotion of what I do. What are some guides that you would offer them, some guidelines to outline that book and and make that book the most valuable it can be? Yeah, so the way that I work with my clients when they start out with a book is to identify what it is you want to accomplish with the book. So what are your goals and what do you want the reader, the audience to come away with having read the book? And starting with that, it's kind of like the end in mind will help you then design the book or outline the book in such a way that it should meet those goals. The other thing that's really, really important is to not wait until the book is published or the month before to start building your platform. You may have heard it referred to as author platform, but you can think of your social media channels, your network, your email list. Because if you want to get that message out there to your tribe, your community, to get your book in the hands of readers, you really need to make sure you've got that audience built. It won't happen or it will take a long time to happen if you wait till you publish. Right. What are some of the biggest mistakes authors make when they go about writing a book? Well, some of it is technical, like not having a good editor edit the book. And also cover design, you know, we're all very visual and you do judge a book by its cover. So having a professionally designed cover and one that actually fits in your niche. So certain genres, we're probably talking mostly about nonfiction books here, but certain genres have certain cover styles. So you want to look at the other books in the niche. I'm not saying copy a book, but just make sure your cover design fits, looks like it belongs in the niche, not like it's off doing something totally different. In this case, in certain instances in life, and this is one of them being really different, sometimes will work against you. Right, right. I always ask a question about bullying, Jane. I've worked in that field for a long time. Do you have a a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, so when you publish a book, you will get either trolls or just people who don't like your book. And I've had it happen and it's very disconcerting and even frustrating. Sometimes people will write things that you think they're writing a review of a different book. I mean, it's just so out there. And you think, well, if they're doing this, and I had this happen recently with a book and I really felt it was a, a competitor trying to sabotage my book. And I don't know for a fact, but that was my take on it. And had they been much more mindful, whoever wrote this, they would have thought, well, this doesn't serve anyone reading this review. It's not going to make up their mind to buy the book or not buy the book. It just is kind of nasty. And it within the terms of Amazon's reviews, so nothing you can do about it. You just have to leave it be. But Uh, I think if a lot of people were more mindful, they wouldn't think so much about 
competition, but they'd come from more of an abundant mindset that there is room for competition with books, with anything else. And I think, as my mom likes to say, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. Some people may prefer you and some people may prefer your competitor, but there's room for everyone and everyone can do well. That That's my philosophy about it. Yeah, I think you're right. As we move on in the interview, I'd like to ask you five quick answer questions. Okay. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Uh, my money mindset coach, Wei Hong of the Six oh. Figure Academy. Interesting. Okay. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or the way you perceive your emotions? I think it's helped me to take a step back and not have knee jerk reactions and just have a better perspective and be a better person. How is breathing a part of your mindfulness practice? Uh, when I remember to breathe, it's very helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so funny how we can frequently forget, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you could recommend a book that's related to mindfulness, what book would that be? Well, one of my favorite books, which you I think is related, is called The Go-Giver. And yes. it's really about, um, it's by Bob Berg, but I'll, I'll use a quote from Zig Ziglar, which is, if you help people get what they want, you'll get everything that you want. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed Bob. He's a, he's I love a Bob. great guy. Yeah. I do too. He's just terrific. Can you share an app which can help with mindfulness? Well, I just downloaded one. I think it's called Prime Mind Okay. by Elliot Rowe. And it's got a variety of different meditations and tools. And I'm enjoying it. Oh, good. Excellent. Prime Mind by Elliot Rowe. I'll put that information, all that information into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to ask you one final question. Uh, if someone's listening today and they feel like they've been struggling with publicity, they've been struggling with mindfulness, what would your, what would your advice be to them? If they've been struggling with publicity, then I would suggest they spend some time on, uh, I've got some good articles on my blog, I'm told that. And, uh, you know, there are some great videos on YouTube. So I would find someone you resonate with and follow them and use some of the tips that they offer because PR is kind of a nuanced um, strategy. It's a little bit different than other ones. and. Uh, it can take a little while to get the hang of the nuances of it. And if they're struggling with mindfulness, again, I think trying to find someone who you resonate with, who can be a guide for you or find an accountability buddy with that and get a little bit of support. Sometimes we need someone outside ourselves to help show us the way. And that can be great. Jane, that's great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jane. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Great. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash 
whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. The Waves of Content Meditation. It's a guided meditation just for you, Mindful Tribe. It's free and it's very, very helpful to help you relax and get more focused. With more focus, you can get more things done in life that truly matter to you. On this meditation, I talk about waves and how the waves can bring you the more calm and more relaxed life you've been looking for. Download this guided meditation to calm your mind and relax your body. Mindfulnessmode.com slash waves of content. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.